0: Your girl, Sophronia Ivory, hosting your new favorite show, No Rewinds. No Rewinds, because we only got one shot to raise these kids. We got to see it, think about it, then do what we got to do to raise these
1: kids.
2: Bennett, thank you so much for agreeing to be on No Rewind.
1: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: When I met you, you were working as an intern for me.
1: Well, I mean, I knew
2: you before then, but that was. Kind of like the beginning
1: for you. Yeah, that was that was 20, uh, 2008 we met. Yeah, 2008. Yeah, it was like that spring break that I started interning with you. Um, and that was a great experience because it was like, you know, I, Knew I wanted to be a fashion designer. I always had that in my mind, and and had you know some skills as far as being able to interpret what I saw in my mind um, to sketch it and to sort of. But but working with you, uh, you pushed me to like, okay, so what does the flat look like? And it was like, well, what's a flat? You know, and, and what what fabric are you going to use? You can't just use any old fabric for that. And what are you going to do with this? And what are you going to do with that? And so it it pushed me to actually like go outside of what I knew and learn about things rather than think that because of the environment that I was in, everybody was always like, Oh, you're so talented. You're so talented. And that was great. But talent without knowledge is kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody has talent without knowledge. You've got to do something with it. So that was a really great experience for me. And then I ended up going on to school for fashion design. Which was grueling, but I had more of an idea of what was going on um, than some of the other people that came into the program. It was good that like I had h- had the opportunity to work with you and with Vicky and with Connie on on all of those things uh, because I had an edge, and people were like, "Well, how do you know this?" And it was like. Mm. Well, I've interned for a designer. So, you know, I, you know, you, you and I, we are not the same. <laughs> it was it was good. It, it definitely set me up for success. I,
2: I'm so happy that you have embraced that fashion and you love it. I still love it. My life has just taken a totally different turn. So I'm glad that you were able to learn and I, too, learned from you because, you know, you're you're a little younger than I am. And so your mind, oh, and your, creativity, just a <laughs> your mind and your creativity goes in a totally different direction than what I think. So that's awesome. But this is what I want to ask you. I can remember when you were interning with me and some of your family not being as supportive as you would have
1: liked them to be. Mm-hmm. How did you overcome that? Like. Well, you have to always realize that people are coming um, from their own experiences, right? And that their own experiences don't necessarily really have anything to do with you. They have more to do with themselves and their own um, fears and insecurities and what may have, you know. So it took me a while but by the time I got into undergrad, I said, this is what I'm gonna do and I'm just gonna go for it. And there were times where I felt like, I didn't go to the top design school for, for part of my undergrad experience. You know, They were kind of pushing us to work for Kohl's and Chico's and you knew you know, that that wasn't really the way, the direction that I wanted to go in. I wanted to go more um, women high fashion women's wear bridal that sort of thing um so at times I felt invalidated in my own program however it really took me meeting other people that didn't have as much support as I did and I had to sort of step back and look at what was going on and saying wow I'm really fortunate like I'm really even though I'm having these issues with some of these members in my family like I am extremely fortunate to have their support and like still get phone calls from them. And even though they may not necessarily like the fact that i am gone into fashion design, they're not going to stand in my way anymore. So um, being in a bigger arena, being a smaller fish in a, in a, in that one of those big ponds, you begin to realize, you know, you could have it so much worse off. And that was part of the turning point for me where I was meeting people who were like, yeah, you know, my parents threw me out at 17 and I'm at, you know, and I figured out how to get to school. You know, Mm -hmm. I had to, I've had to buy all my own supplies for fashion class. I've had to buy all my own muslin. I've had to do all of this. And I was there on a scholarship on a fashion scholarship where I didn't have to pay for any of that. So I found myself, you know, almost overcompensating and buying other things to help people because um, there was in part a guilt that I, you know, was feeling so bad for myself. And then here these people are and they're really struggling, but they're turning out these fabulous, fantastic garments that, you know, um, where they dare to work. Sometimes I would deign to work. So I had to really, I had to step it up. Why did you feel guilt? Not not really. Yeah, you felt why did you
2: feel guilty about well, your desires and, and what you
1: you knew you wanted to be? Was it No, it wasn't necessarily about my desire. It was more that um I watched these people who were working so much hard working really hard to make sure that they could achieve their goals and i had never known hard work like that like i knew hard work but i didn't know hard work like i've got a full-time job and i'm a full-time student i've got to buy 60 yards of muslin for the semester and i have to house myself and think about what I'm gonna eat for dinner. Meanwhile, I'm living on campus in the newest dorm. Every time I go to swipe my student ID, you know, the food is paid for. I have my muslin. I have these things. And so um, it was the first time that I really experienced a true, like I knew that there were disparities. I've witnessed them growing up in Milwaukee, but not like the girl sitting next to you, you know, is is eight months pregnant and she's working a a full-time job she's taking a full course load and you know she just made the most amazing circle skirt that you'll ever see in your life you know so it was that was my wake-up call it was more not it wasn't like guilt of doing what I wanted to do it was like here are people who are really doing the work to make their dreams come true and I'm just like oh well I'll go to college because it's what I'm supposed to do right right
2: awesome that's that's awesome that you were able to recognize that because you know just by going to the school that you went to for you know high school and you know elementary school and i I tried to explain this to my kids that this is a fake
1: environment it's absolutely shangri-la it's it's not a real place (laughs) It's not a real place. It's a very, and and sometimes a very unserious place and a place that, you know, um, at times you can take for granted the fact that the sun rises and sets because there's so many other things happening. Um, And I went to a public university for my undergraduate experience. And I remember when I accepted going to the public university, people were like, why would you ill? <laughs> Why would you do that? And I, I kept mm-hmm. thinking. Even then, I had the the um, consciousness to know that I wanted something different, that I didn't want to continue to exist in, um, that world alone, for better or for worse. Did you feel supported? No, not not when I left. Okay. Not when I left at all. And it um, has been the topic of conversation with people that, you know, my problem was that I've been friends with these people since first grade. You know, I had come up with them um, for years and um, in the end for some of them to turn their nose up at me. And turn their back at me, which was, which was, you know, some of it was already going on because of the position that I held, right? You know, I existed as a faculty child. Um, my mother was, I think, like the was, it was a low number, but she came like just after integration at the school, mm-hmm. right? So I held a very unique position at this this intersection, and people didn't really know how to treat me, and. At the end of my experience there, that's when it all came to a head. It was just like, well, you're we treated you like you were one of us because we had to, but now you're not really one of us.
2: Just like the world is at my feet now
1: and I can live and I can be me. Or well, were you, you know, were you afraid? I was I was afraid for a little while. But you know as well as I did that, do that, like, in high school, I didn't do anything. Like, I did my schoolwork. I worked with you. I, um, you know, went, did, worked in the theater department and all that. Like, I was very much involved at school. But, like, outside of school, I was in Jack and Jill. And that was it. I didn't go to parties. I didn't hang out with folks. Like, that really wasn't my... My thing. So now we're we're you know in the middle of Indiana kicking it, you know, just hanging out. You know, it's the first day. It's the first day. My parents just left. The guy's like, "Hey, you want a beer?" I'm like, "Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me slow down. I don't even know what this tastes like." You know. So that first semester was. I mean, I was IA. I was hanging out like I was all the time, and those grades reflected that. <laughs> those first semester <laughs> grades reflected that I remember logging on to the portal, and I was just like, you know, hey, I did my little work, yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting onto the portal, and I remember sitting in front of the computer and being so mortified when I saw those grades come up. Because that uh, you knew that that wasn't the standard that you had been uh, held accountable to. Oh my gosh, it was terrible. And now I can say, I take responsibility for it because I, I realized that I was a part of this this space where I had never had this kind of freedom, you know? Mm. So I didn't, so I, here I am, you know, hanging out at two, three in the morning. I got an eight o'clock class, you know? And it was the first time that as a gay person, I met other gay people, you know, who were like, not just, like, shy and timid because they were in this, you know, sort of North Shore environment. They were like, oh, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. You're cute. You want to come with me? I mean, like, mm. I was... In, it was the first time that I met gay men that were really confident about being gay that weren't full-grown adults that were my age that found me attractive. Like, what?
2: <laughs>
1: so, So,
2: did you... A, you knew
1: that you were gay before you got to college. Oh gosh, I knew that I was gay when I was much younger than that. I didn't know what to call it when I was when I was probably about ten. I didn't know what to call it. I knew that there was something that that I thought women were beautiful. I thought they were attractive. I I loved the idea of dressing them. I loved the idea of helping them to be confident and and transform themselves. But I knew that. What I was supposed to do, right, in marrying a woman and having a family, this sort of heteronormative idea that we have, I knew that I didn't fit into it, but I didn't know what to call it. And then as I got older, um, and I'm talking in a matter of two years, I began to understand, you know, cause I'm going through puberty. I'm understanding what's going on with my body a little bit more, I'm, I'm, you know, suddenly it's not, you know, Jessica, I have a crush on, but it's James, you know? And so my, my understanding is, is better. Um, and I came out when I was 13. I came out Valentine's Day of 2006. How did you come out? I remember that everybody was asking everyone. We were on the second floor of the middle school. Everybody was asking everyone, you know, who's your Valentine? Who's your Valentine? Who's your Valentine? And I had managed to stay out of the conversation. Because, you know, I was a gossip, so I was asking everybody else. <laughs> you know, I was like, wait a minute, you got to tell me because, you know, I need to know, right? So I had managed to stay out of the conversation until somebody very deftly and, and very quickly turned it around on me and was like, so who's your Valentine? And I was just kind of stood there. And I was like, uh, cause the one girl that like, I was kind of like trying to use as a beard, she wasn't having it. She was like, you need to give it up. <laughs> like she, like straight up. she straight up told me, she was like, she need to do this, but like, when you're ready, like I'm still your friend, but I can't do this with you. And I was like, okay. And I just put my books down and I was like, I'm gay. And that was the end of it. Like it, it was a little bit scandalous. You know, by the end of the day, everybody was talking about it. Um, but well, most wait people minute.
2: did. You come out to your family first?
1: most no. people. Most pe- this. I'm I'm getting there. So most people, most people had an idea. You know, they. I remember one girl was like, "Okay," and and just like kept walking, like was like, "We we you know we've been your friends since first grade," like what do you want? Uh, so that was Valentine's Day. And I managed to sort of keep it under wraps because remember, my mother works down the hall. I managed to sort of keep it under wraps until March um, where, you know, there was a guy in my class He was real cute, still is. Um, and I was, you know, I I didn't Understand that 13-year-old straight boys do not do not find that to be cute. They don't it's not the same as, as <laughs> I split like, oh thanks, oh, you know. So there was a conversation had in gym class. And I was like, yeah, I like so and so. Like I think he's cute. What do you what's the point? And it led to a fight in the locker room, not with the guy. With somebody else, somebody else called me a slur, and I put him in the locker. And okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, so the gym teacher came, broke the fight up, and the school counselor came down and was talking to me, and one of the teachers. Um, in the middle school whose, whose brother was gay was, you know, like, you know, come with me, let's talk, you know, my brother is gay and blah, blah, blah. While all of this is happening, while all of this is happening, um, the school counselor goes to my mother's classroom and says, your son is gay. Why? So by the time I got home, I'm thinking it's all good I will live to see another day. I will go home and talk to my parents about what is going on when I get ready. No. And that afternoon, I walked home, or I got home, and my dad was, like, downstairs now. And it was traumatic. It was hurtful. I was not able, I was not given license and agency over my own life to be able to tell my parents what I was going through and what I was feeling. Now, there were signs. They they had the signs, they were there. Um but I was also 13, so there was a little bit of denial, maybe it's just exploration, maybe he's just trying to figure out what's going on. Um and how could how could I know, right? I've never dated anyone, I've never been with a woman, I've never, you know, So how could I know at that point was there, was the argument, Um, and it's just it's just a violent act. It's it's a violent way to to release information and not let people um, come into their own in their own way. It's it's an outing basically.
2: How would you have 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 had this conversation with your parents? Like what?
1: If what would you have said? I still have no idea. I still have okay. no idea. And you know what? It is a it is a blessing and a curse. I am glad that the band-aid was ripped off then because it saved me a lot of heartache in having to hide who I was. Um but mm-hmm. I I do not know how I would how I would have done it. Knowing my parents as I know them now. Um, I probably would have waited till sixteen. I probably would have waited till sixteen. What happened to sixteen? Um, sixteen was when I was when I had like a like a real you know boyfriend like you know okay. And that and when I when I knew for sure that like these feelings were very real. And that, like, mm. I was not, it was not just a phase because there were times after I came out that I was like, I've made a mistake. Maybe it is just a phase. Maybe I don't know what's going on with myself. But 16 was when, <laughs> 16 was when I knew it was, I was, oh my God, that young person we'll call him now he's he's older than i am <laughs> but my goodness i just even now even i i saw him um two years ago at thanksgiving and we both were kind of just like anyway let
2: me, me calm down <laughs> right Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's just you and I right now, it's just you <laughs> and I. So did you ever um, go through counseling? Was that an option that your parents suggested? that? Did you think it was necessary? Not just when you came out when you were a teenager, but any time after that?
1: So I have been in counseling since then. I still see a therapist. Um and not okay. necessarily because of the situation, but I also have bipolar too. So it's um important for me to continue to continue to see a counselor as a part of my treatment. I take um I take a um, antidepressant, I take a mood stabilizer, but a, a part of my treatment is actively going to see a therapist. So we went to one family therapy session. <laughs> never again it was wrong it, it was it was bad it was it was really bad and the, the the thing behind it was the doctor instead of bringing the group together only took me in the room and grilled me and then brought everyone else in and was like how does what bennett how does what bennett has said make you feel and it was just like It was like being burned at the stake. It was terrible. It was so Mm, bad. It was so bad. And you know, my mom was just like, that's no, we're not doing that again. And um, Uh I continued, yep. And I continued therapy on my own. Not with that doctor. Um, I, oh, that man, oh my goodness. He, He really invalidated the way that I felt. Really, really invalidated the way that I felt um, about what was going on in my life. Basically, saying, "You know, you're 14. You don't know what's you. You don't know anything." And it's like, I know that I don't know anything, but I know what I'm feeling. Right. And I know what's. Right. I know what's going on for me. And I've always been um, very self aware, even as a as a young child about you know my emotions and my feelings, which is how I ended up, um, with my bipolar diagnosis. I just was like, I know that like something is going on in my body. I feel like my brain is working against my body and I need to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, um, it just, it, it was a, it was not a good experience. I recommend personally, I recommend therapy to anyone. Because I think that it's good to have a place where you can just talk about yourself without feeling innocence or compromise, right? Like, you can just talk about what you're feeling in whatever terms that come to mind. Um, And you don't have to worry about being persecuted or judged or anything like that. But that's a conversation for a different time.
2: I am so... so so happy that you are out. I really am because I feel like it gives you, you can be yourself unapologetically. Mm -hmm. Do you ever talk to other people that have not come to that realization and, and, and they're not ready to come out yet?
1: Um in the respect that they may have come out as bisexual or gay and they're really actually transgender or, you know, um, they may be, um, so, so I've had friends who have come out as gay, but they're really transgender or I've had people, friends come out as bi. Um, for example, my, my first boyfriend, he came out and he was like, I'm bi. And we were all like, (laughs) okay. You're like, uh, but, you know, he was, he was really gay. Um, so I've dealt with that. But, you know, also Sophronia, I'm, by the time I got to college, I had been out for five years. Okay. You know, I've been out 15 years. I'll be out 15 years next year. Some of the stuff that has happened, and I know you and I kind of discussed it before, some of the things that have gone on, like, I dealt with at 14 and 15 and 16 in therapy. You know, some of that identity and like, am I gay, am I bi, do I wanna be a woman? No, I don't wanna be a woman. I respect people that go on that journey, but like for me, I don't. And, you know, how do I support people that know about, that, you know, are dealing with this? Um, And a lot of that came from my working with drag queens. And working with trans women who were working as drag queens, um, because for a long time that was the only profession that they could do, you know, where they felt accepted. Um, so a lot of that that learning and that process came from working in drag and dressing, you know, girls and, and talking to them and them saying, you know, oh well, I feel like if if I were a woman I'd be treated much better. Um, and you, you know, sometimes it's like, well, it, that might be the case, but you know, women get dogged out and treated poorly too, you know, Tell just, me about it. I mean, you can be, yes, gay men get, get a lot of hell. We catch a lot of hell, but you know, sometimes, and even more so women have a harder way to go. Um, And so just don't think, you know, I've had this conversation with with a a good friend. They said, don't think because you're transitioning um, that you're going to be treated lovely because you are now a woman. It just, it doesn't, it's just not the case. And you're going to have a harder way to go because you're going to be under a microscope. And sometimes somebody's going to look at you and say, well, that's actually a man, you know, or, you know, mm-hmm. in, instead of respecting you and validating you, they're going to they're going to kiki and laugh and, and make fun of you. And you have to be strong enough to deal with that. That takes
2: a lot of strength. You know, I, I think I was having this conversation with a girlfriend of mine and we were talking about a young boy. So he might have been six, appeared to have some more feminine tendencies than what would have been a Expected of a six-year-old at that, you know, in the, at their moment, and so she was like, "Well, how do you know? How how would someone at ten or at seven, eight, nine, even twelve? How how do you know that they're that they're
1: gay?" Well, and okay, but how, how did you, you know that the- you liked boys at twelve? I mean, how did you know? I'm that that's not like a, an accusatory question, but it's just like. I always turn that around on people. It's like, well, you, okay, so how did you know you liked women or men or whatever? I mean, what's the difference? I I totally
2: agree. I totally agree. <laughs> I, totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree. I just think that, you know, being a heterosexual has just always been the norm. So now we're more aware of LGBTQ plus. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that as a parent, you, it would take a little bit of time to process that, as I'm sure it did your parents as well, even though there might've been some signs, but it it takes a little bit of time to process that. There may be some little bit of embarrassment amongst your friends. Now it's a little different because things
1: are so fluid,
2: Mm -hmm. but, you know, 15 years ago.
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I also think that because there was that gap, Right, like I came out at thirteen, and I really didn't start dating until I was eight or till I was sixteen right like, and then, like I had the one boyfriend, and then I didn't date again until I left until I went to college, and then it was like I've been gone, and when I'm not up under you when I'm not in your space, I'm becoming my own person and growing you know.
0: Now it's time for y'all to press subscribe so you can tune in next week for part two of my conversation with Bennett. He talks about if he wants to get married, his relationships, and a whole lot more. Well, that's it for today, y'all. Just remember, there are no one-size-fits-all manuals to teach you how to be a single parent. Do what you can, then build up your village to help you do the rest because there are no rewinds. Don't forget to subscribe so we can chop it up next time.